0: Obviously. On the prompt.
1: I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go to Sylvia in the other room and say, hey, timer coalescing. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And that's business right there.
0: Welcome to the prompt, a weekly panel discussion on technology and the culture surrounding Apple and related companies. It is June the 11th, 2014. Welcome back to the World's Greatest Podcast. This is a very special episode as we Federico Fettici. Hello, I must welcome you first.
1: Hi Mike, how are you?
0: I'm very well. We have met an anniversary today. This is our 52nd episode, therefore making a one-year anniversary, kind of. So Federico's here with me, uh, our Co-host, Mr. Stephen Hackett, is unfortunately unavailable this week, but he has rolled of an iron fist and said that this is the anniversary episode.
1: <laughs> now, yeah, I, I mean, I mean, this is crazy. We've been doing this stuff for, for a year. Yeah,
0: because technically, a year is next week, because our first episode was on uh, June the 18th or 19th, but this is the 52nd episode. So, so tell me about
1: this 52 number because well,
0: 52 means 52 episodes, meaning 52
1: weeks, right? And what's 52 weeks? That's a year. Oh, yeah? Really?
0: Federica?
1: <laughs> I, I had no idea that a year had 52 weeks. I'm serious. And
0: 365 days. Yeah,
1: the days I know. I just don't know the weeks. Who, who thinks in weeks? Come on. Uh, You're think thinking days or months podcasters
0: do cuz we release
1: every week. Oh, that's another See, That that's because you're a, you're a fancy serious professional podcaster.
0: Exactly. You should start doing a weekly review post on your site and then you'll start to remember. So uh. Uh it's hence the, the very fun intro that we had this week that, that I hope people enjoyed. And we have some cool stuff in a minute that I'm going to get to. But yeah, I, I feel like this is something I wanted to address this right up front because I feel like this is something that people will have a view on one way or another, whether 52 weeks or by the date is a year. So we're going to call it our anniversary rather than our birthday. How does that sound?
1: <laughs> is that even a difference? I have no I mean, it's, idea, it's buddy. I'm I'm just going with it. <laughs> I, I honestly had no idea about this uh, 52 weeks uh, um, rule that there seems to be between you and Steven, uh-huh. uh, but I'm going to came up with about,
0: it. It came up about 15 minutes before we recorded.
1: Okay, so, yeah, so it seems like a, like a very strong decision, but yeah. Fine. <laughs> Happy anniversary, Mike.
0: Thank you. And to you, Federico, I, I want to thank you for for doing this with me every week. It's a, always yeah. a pleasure to have you here. So. Thank you. So um, we have a very special show today. Uh, we're joined by underscore David Smith a little later on, and we're going to talk about the developer changes in the App Store, which is kind of something that we spoke about last week. But of course, before we do that, we must address our follow-up. Follow-up. So, uh, last week, Stephen said that a Gmail account was required to use Android. Um, He was shot down in a a blaze of glory by (laughs) Suzanne Mayer, um, who very rightly said to to Stephen, um, you don't need a Google account to use Android. Uh, Suzanne is on her fourth Android phone, never had a Google account. She just clicks skip during setup. Um, I love that she listens to the show as as an Android user. I think that's amazing. Um, So... Where uh, Suzanne is is technically correct. The problem with not doing this is you do miss out on a bunch of Google features. Of course, um, that that I actually feel make the overall experience. I mean, you
1: do miss on. um, I'm guessing on the photos and the Google Drive integration, all the custom stuff that Google does with uh, with Google Now. Yeah, right. I
0: do. I do kind of wonder, and I I I don't want to criticize people's choices, but why you would use Android? Without enabling it, I kind of feel like it's. Uh, in six months' time, why would you not use iCloud? Because iCloud is going to be so important to the way your phone will work.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe because some people just don't like Apple. I guess some people I don't mean, like Google. Fine. Yeah, yeah, I mean, but then
0: I, I don't know. Like, if you if you were that concerned about maybe maybe, I, I tell you what, Suzanne, I would love to know actually why if you could maybe email us or, or tweet like why why do you one choose Android and two uh, why do you not provide uh, an account to google do you not trust google or do you just not want to give that information to any uh, company which is perfectly fair but um
1: mike how can people get in touch with us oh well there's what? a
0: bunch there's a bunch of ways federico okay. um, we, are, we are all on twitter individually i am i mike i yke and you are the tg v-i-t-i-c-c-i um the mistake maker is at ismh um, and we are, you can also uh, get the show account, which is at underscore the prompt. Or if you go to our show notes page, which is at 5x5.tv five five slash prompt slash 52 for today, you will see a big contact button at the top that will send a lovely
1: email over to us. Yeah, make sure to send the email because Stephen gets the emails. Yeah, so
0: explain to him in in detail. Fine, fine detail. Like listener Lex did. Um, Lex said to us last week, um, in episode 51, you were talking about the announcements from WWDC and about iCloud storage, pricing and photos not being stored on your device. An issue you've already spoken about a lot in the past, so about having iCloud storage and there being all the pricing and stuff, but the, the idea of photos and where they're stored and the amount of space that they take up. Uh, this is an issue we talked about a lot in the past, but after the new announcements, Apple's new direction with this, and upon hearing you talk about it, a disappointing thought popped into Lexi's head, he says. Now that Apple has higher, more affordable iCloud storage tiers and doesn't therefore store every photo or piece of information on your device anymore, what if they're going to have another year of the 16GB or even 8GB, in some cases, iPhone-based models? What do you think, Federico? Do you think that this is likely to to stay the same now that Apple's moving more of our data to the cloud.
1: Oh yeah, I I think that they're not gonna uh, announce uh, iPhones with higher storage sizes, and and I'm sad because I think they really should, especially the the eight gig and sixteen gig models. I mean, people are downloading games, right, and and even apps that even apps that uh, do not in theory use uh, local storage like. Music streaming applications or uh, stuff like movies and documents, even if they claim to be uh, cloud based applications, often those apps use some kind of caching technique to you know to, to make to make the experience of switching between songs or documents uh, easier and faster, so even if they are based on on a, on a cloud service, they actually take up space on your device. And, and I am seeing this all the time between photos and games and a bunch of apps and, and maybe Spotify. People just don't have storage on on available storage on their devices. So I am
0: really struggling at the moment my thirty-two. Yeah. I am really. I sh- mean, really may- struggling. maybe
1: with the with the new iCloud um, uh, photo library stuff. Maybe uh, maybe the bigger the biggest problem uh, I believe is photos and videos. So uh, by Apple getting into this uh, this space with a. Uh, hopefully a good solution maybe the problem will be not totally solved but maybe partially uh, fixed and but yeah i believe that especially the 8 gig model is just a travesty
0: yeah, i'm definitely going to 64 now cuz i'm having problems at the moment with my my phone keeps filling up and it doesn't i don't seem to really be able to do anything long term that can
1: and I mean I totally I totally get why why Apple wants to do cheaper phones uh, by reducing storage sizes it just seems to me that Apple is the kind of company that could get storage with you know at cheap cheaper prices for for the consumer like I mean there's I believe there's a there's a huge markup uh, like Apple has a high margin on on the storage sizes for for iPhones and iPads I don't know it's just you know 64 gigs that those iPhones cost a lot of money.
0: So here's a uh, an, an interesting piece of follow-up from a much easy, a much much earlier show um, and also happening right now to me. Okay. <laughs> I just got an email telling me that in 2 weeks time my 48 gigabytes of additional Dropbox space will be expiring.
1: Oh, oh yeah because you did uh, the 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 samsung dropbox uh, yeah free yeah. space thing when, yeah. when i
0: had a samsung device mm. but there's a couple of things so one i'm not i'm still i'm within the limit so even when that 48 okay. gigabytes goes away i've still got enough space for me mm. and I also i'm not i don't really want to pay for dropbox because in a year's time i don't know how much i'm going to be using them in all honesty
1: that's a good point yeah
0: because it could so all change. What
1: are, what are you keeping on in, in your Dropbox without getting too personal? What Lots of photos. Um, and okay. also, Dropbox
0: is my is my um, file system.
1: For just any everything. kind of file?
0: Okay. I, I, except like movies and music. Yeah. Like, I put yeah, everything in Dropbox. Who keeps movies in Dropbox? some crazy people steven does i'm sure he does Steve. i'm sure steven, does. I'm steven sure keeps
1: does either the movies or the music or like uh like the dmg files for apple software updates oh he definitely
0: does like he has yeah. all the higgs in there i yeah, bet yeah. like he has all that stuff in. he, he must has the do.
1: WWDC videos he has every keynote you know, ever, yeah. ever. <laughs> that's just something that steven would do he yeah. probably downloaded the k-base put that yeah. in there <laughs> Like people who download uh, offline Wikipedia archives. Yeah, he has that, yeah. but for the
0: for the K base. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> well, I, was, I just
1: love that when Stephen's not around,
0: we just <laughs> say these things. Well, of course, <laughs> uh, Stephen did, did give a, his his uh, two cents on this. He thinks that also that the storage will remain the same for at least uh, one more round of revisions. Um, Talking about our friend, Mr. Stephen Hackett, he has continued to update his shrine of the world's greatest selfies on his website. Um, So if you want to see some more handsome faces and t-shirts on the internet, well, you can do that. Um, It will be in the show notes. There'll be a link to that in there too. Um, I work in the cloud. So our friend, uh, Mr. David Sparks, has had a couple (laughs) of...
1: I thought that you, were, you said I work, like I myself work in the cloud. <laughs> I and do. I, was, <laughs> I work in the cloud. <laughs> and I wasn't getting it, but I'm sorry, go on.
0: That's okay. Our friend David Sparks has had a couple of posts recently. Um, one talking about updates to, to iWork collaboration in the cloud and then also trying out himself. Um, as Stephen has also provided for us, the TLDR on this. It seems to work okay browser-to-browser, which is a nice start, but there is still a lot more to go uh, for me. Um, It still doesn't work in the iOS apps, and until it does, uh, I don't care what features they add. It's kind of useless for me uh, until you can use these collaboration features in the applications. Uh, Federico, what do you think about this? Uh, We we get a lot of feedback about this. Whenever anybody talks about it, somebody asks us what we think.
1: I totally agree with you. I need the iOS apps to be able to to have the same collaboration features. But in my defense, I want to say that that I told you and Steven a couple of weeks ago, uh, weeks ago about the improvements to the web version, and you guys didn't believe me.
0: No, we tr- we well, I mean we tried it out. You, I mean you, we saw the cursors, you, di- you
1: dismissed me quickly. Federico, I never dismiss you. Yeah, yeah I don't know. But yeah, it, it, it's a good improvement, really. The, the web apps are getting much, much better, and I'm wondering if maybe Apple is holding updates for the iOS apps for iOS eight at this point, because there's all the new CloudKit stuff, you know. Yeah. Maybe they just don't want to keep building um, the iOS seven versions.
0: Whatever they do, I, I find it extremely unlikely that um, it's it's going to beat Google Drive. I mean, it's it's so good, but so. Uh... I have, a, I have a little mini topic before, before we take a break. But before that, um, considering this is our year anniversary, as well as our very sweet birthday intro music, um, I have a couple of statistics for you, Federico, and for all the listeners about the show. Okay. So if you exclude this week's episode, because we don't know how long it's going to be yet, because we've not finished it. So over the last 51 episodes of The Prompt, there has been 2.81 gigabytes of MP3 files generated. If you listen to them back to back, so if you started right now, put them in a playlist and listened, it would take two days, 16 hours, and 16 minutes
1: to get wow. through them all. Wow. So, so you, you know, think, there's a, You know, there's a... There's a do you know, are you guys in, in the UK familiar with the TV show uh, the, the Bold and the Beautiful? Like the soap opera?
0: I've heard of it, but...
1: Yeah, so it's like th- there are like 40 seasons, like okay. I don't know. Just insane. And I once read that, that if you if you were to watch every episode from like the first episode in the 80s, I don't know, like 30 years ago, it would take you like a couple of years to <laughs> to, to to catch up with the show. It's crazy.
0: Yeah. And then it would continue to go, right? So you'd always kind of be a little bit behind. Yeah,
1: fresh content every day.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, so we you would Basically, and I was thinking about this, if you think about the time that we're on the phone and the time that we're prepping, in the last year, the three of us have probably dedicated like a week of our lives, nearly, to this show, which is kind of crazy. And I don't know if you know, Federico, that only leaves 51 weeks left, if we took one week
1: out, because there's 52 weeks in a year. All these numbers are crazy. (laughs) So, by the way, there are 27 seasons of The Bold and the Beautiful (laughs) for a total of 6,841 episodes as of June 6th.
0: Where did you get that? Wikipedia?
1: Wikipedia, yeah. So,
0: uh, naturally, prompt number 30 is our longest, which is 2 hours and 35 minutes long, which was our iPhone keynote episode. And prompt number sixteen is our shortest episode at fifty-two minutes and twenty seconds. And after a year, we still do not know who Timer Qualising is.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I was kind of hoping that you know, we'd have a, you know, a, the the big reveal of Timer Qualising by now. I really it's don't want to know.
0: I don't want. Have you seen the, his his hints recently?
1: He seems to be based. He or she seems to be based in in Chicago, right? Or the, at least the, f- familiar with Chicago.
0: We know that the koala is familiar with Chicago. Yeah. By the way, just check the show notes for this. Like if that if that sentence, which is insane, what I just said, uh, we know the koala is familiar with Chicago. It makes it sound <laughs> like some sort of, it's not a code. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, just check the show notes. It's too difficult to explain. He did. He or she did say that we have mentioned them. On the show, at by name, point. by yes. name, the real person by name. So, as I said, the plot thickens.
1: Yeah, yeah, this is amazing. I mean, um, w- what if it's a group of people? It's not <gasps> like like, a, con- like- a koala consortium. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, Mike.
0: <laughs> oh dear. So that's it. So I. I yeah, we'll get into thank yous at the end of the show, I guess. Um, one, one very quick uh, topic I would like to bring up with you, Federico, and this is just something that's happened to me in the last couple of days. So I've set up a new email account that I'm using with FastMail, Okay. So it's like, like a personal email account, a domain, right? And, and I wanted to try out something new. Um, however, Mailbox, which I was using, I cannot use Fastmail with Mailbox. They only have iCloud and Gmail. They don't have like IMAP settings that you can enter yourself. Um. So I'm trying out some new email applications. Um, okay. So some of your favorites. So I'm trying out Dispatch and mm-hmm. Boxer. Yes. Now I tried out... Boxer because there is not a dispatch for iPad, so I wanted True. something there, and I'm trying it out on the iPhone as well to see how. Because ideally, I like to have in in email, for example, I like to have like all of one system where possible. Cuz so one of the reasons I love Mailbox. It worked really well on my iPhone, my iPad, and it was coming to the Mac, and it was going to be great. But now, Fastmail, not integrating with that, has kind of tipped things a little bit. Uh, but I do really like fast mail so I want, uh, with the experience that I've had of it so far, so I want to use it. Um, but some, So these are the problems that I'm having. I find Dispatch to be way more powerful and much more awesome than Boxer. But? But Dispatch doesn't have push notifications, which, sorry everyone, I, I do receive push notifications for email. It's a choice that I make. So there's, that's missing. And it does this background fetch thing, but that's really unreliable. It's kind of like whenever the app wants to find email, and then it shows me like 20 emails in a row by push notification.
1: Yeah, and especially because there's all this uh, learning system by iOS. So iOS learns with time that you like to open this patch, I don't know, every 15 minutes. So it increases the, the frequency of a background fetch. Uh, but but you cannot, for instance, uh, install the app uh, fresh from the app store and say, look, I just I really want to get new messages every 15 minutes. There's all these uh, background fetch limitations, and yeah, I- I'm on the same boat, Mike. Um, Boxer is really fast with with the notifications, and this patch is a lot more powerful, but there's a background fetch. Yeah. Uh, so I just uh, feel um, like
0: Boxer, there's something about it that I don't like. I found the search to be unreliable and there are
1: a, 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 maybe for me it's just that maybe it's just an impression but Boxer has been fast with the nof- notifications I love the gestures to archive messages but it's it kind of gives off um, a cross-platform vibe
0: yes that's it that's what I'm looking for that's the word like that's I, there's something that's been weird about it that I've not been able to put my finger on yet and I think that's it like it's it kind of feels a bit web-view-y.
1: Yeah, or maybe like, yeah, that, that's really the problem. It doesn't, maybe it's the, you know, the iconography, or maybe it's the, the chunky mm, dialogues, I don't know. But there's something about it that feels strange, and, and I agree with you. I have, I have the same problems uh, as you. Boxer is faster, and this patch is more geeky and native and powerful. And I realized that this is such a first-world problem. Um, and I also like the way that we jump from koalas to email clients. That's so prompt. Uh, but yeah, I have no solution, Mike. I'm sorry.
0: I hope that you might have something. I'm, but now kind of the, one of the reasons I wanted to bring this up, Federico, is maybe, maybe somebody out there in the world has a mm-hmm. solution for us that we don't know about yet. I mean, it's unlikely because of, you know, Federico knows all the apps, but there may be something we're missing.
1: Well, I, I mean, you could devise some kind of system that you get the notifications with Boxer, but you open this patch. But so that's, that seems- kind of, that's kind of what I've been doing, but that doesn't <laughs> feel course.
0: like, a, like a, a, a good Yeah, because system. it feels stupid.
1: It feels stupid because what you about- get the notification from one app and you open another.
0: What about if we take this back to like 2009 and use Boxcar?
1: Oh wow. Is is boxers is boxers still around? Yeah. They are. Yep, universal
0: didn't, push notification. Didn't board. they
1: get acquired or something?
0: Yeah, it looks like I mean it looks a bit different and a little bit more weird. Uh maybe it's worth checking out, but that could be an option, right? Hmm. Yeah.
1: Or maybe just uh pay a lot of money to the dispatch developers and pray for push notifications we the, could also the, do that we should have like a fundraiser okay, for, for push notifications in our favorite
0: apps I'm up for that
1: yeah uh, also maybe with iOS 8 you could consider trying Apple's mail app again because here's what, what I'm hoping for iOS 8 we didn't get any confirmation about the mail app and extensions right Mm-hmm. we didn't see any screenshot we didn't see any demo so maybe there's a possibility that apple will take the, the, the smart decision of enabling actions for email messages which would kind of you know remove the need for all these uh, action based email clients and also with keyboards and you know all the different extensions you you could have maybe text expander support in, in, in the mail app. I don't know. I'm just hoping that because Apple showed like a single improvement for mail, which was the, the you know the gesture to, to switch between drafts and, and then the inbox. I'm hoping that we'll see extensions too. That seems like that seems like an obvious candidate for for extensibility.
0: We'll see. Right, we have a lot to cover still today, so let's take a moment uh, to thank our friends over at Squarespace, and then we will get on with the rest of the show. What do you think, Federico?
1: Sounds fine, Mike. (laughs) Sorry, I tricked you
0: there, buddy. Um, I want to thank Squarespace for supporting this week's episode of The Prompt. They are the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, and online store. For a free trial and 10% off, visit squarespace.com and enter the offer code KOALA, that's K-O-A-L-A, at checkout. A better web starts with your website. Squarespace makes sure that what they give you is a platform that means you can sleep easy at night when it comes to thinking about your website. You don't have to worry about Squarespace sites going down because they make sure that their hosting is rock solid and they're going to take care of that for you. If you have a new idea that you make, oh, I want to add this page to my site. or oh, I want to restructure my page in such and such a way. You don't have to lose sleep thinking about these things. Just wake up in the morning and it will take you 10 minutes and you will have it all sorted out because Squarespace's platform is super simple and super easy. You can very easily add pages to your site. You can very easily drag and drop your content around your pages in their WYSIWYG page building editor. Um, you can go in and change all of your fonts and change your colors and they have sliders and selectors and they've added a bunch of new type fonts. Um, they've got a real fantastic selection. Squarespace's designs, their templates uh, you can choose from, are all professionally designed and they're all fantastic looking. They're going to make your site look like uh, just a beautiful website on the internet. It doesn't look like it's come from ABC theme building system. It's come from Squarespace's fantastic designers, and they all feature responsive web design built right in. They really have some stunning looks to their Squarespace templates, and I think that you're going to love them. And you can go and check them out yourself right now by signing up for a free trial, and you don't need to provide any credit card when you do this. You can check out all of their sites Uh, all of their designs and you can check out how their page building system works you can bring all your content in and you can just start building your website today without entering a credit card squarespace plans start at eight dollars a month and they include a free domain name if you sign up for a year they feature 24 7 support through live chat and email and they have teams located in new york city and dublin to help you out with this if you want to sell things online maybe you have t-shirts you want to sell maybe you have an ebook that you want to sell where they support the sale of physical and digital goods by their commerce platform squarespace commerce and this Comes with every single site. You can just turn it on, and they feature a bunch of really cool services that they integrate with, like Stripe for payment processing. I think I believe they integrate with shipping stuff, like ShipStation and stuff like that. If that's the kind of deal that you need, when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure that you use the offer code Koala. That's going to get you 10% off your first purchase and show your support for the prompt. So thank you so much to Squarespace for supporting Five by Five and the world's greatest podcast. A better web starts with your website, and you should get started. At Squarespace. Correspondence report. Okay, Federico, we now have something very special. We have uh, joining us our developer from the field. I think we'll call him today, uh, Mr. Underscore David Smith. Hi, David. How are you? I'm doing well.
2: Thanks for having me, guys.
0: Uh, I don't know why I just referred to you as David because that seems strange to me. So, like, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna call you Underscore now. That's fine. That's how we know you, right? Yep. So. We we wanted to have you on this week. Um, we spoke about this last week a little bit um, about some of the changes from a, a developer's perspective, no pun intended, pun completely intended, um, about what has happened in the App Store post-WWDC um, and from the keynote and, and some of the things that have come out since, how it affects developers and consumers and relating this back to a post that you wrote um in april called towards a better app store it was like a uh, my understanding is it started as a series of episodes on your podcast developing perspective and then you turned it into a, a summary blog post which people yes. which I'll put in the show notes for people to see today
2: yeah i mean basically it, was, it started off just like oh i have some ideas and then it turned into this much bigger thing and then at the end after i'd done like four episodes about it i thought well i should probably combine this all together into a more cohesive coaching place if i'm ever going to try and convince people at Apple or otherwise to to take a to take a look at it. So uh, the results yeah, so the results my towards a better App Store kind of like 14 point manifesto about things I think that would make the store better.
0: So what I want to do um, is to run through uh, these points point by point and we can add any sort of thoughts, feelings, context and check them off um, as we go if that's good. You know I mean yeah, uh, that works. Cuz basically if I can sum it up, and you can probably do a better job than me, the goal that you were trying to meet with this idea um, was to help customers easily find quality apps to satisfy their current need. That's what you put in the post. So it was about not just helping developers, but also helping customers and how those two things intertwine.
2: Yes. I mean, I think a lot of it is probably fair to start off is that I was trying very hard to have it be from a, cust- a more customer-focused perspective, or at least from the perspective of trying to not just whine about things or be like it'd make my business easier or better if such if something happened, but trying to find ways like what's a, the actual goal? And I, in many ways, when I think of the App Store, I think see it's, it's like its purpose should be to help people find quality apps quickly. Like that's really what it's trying to do. It's not. Like, I don't. I don't have any more kind of ephemeral or kind of esoteric goal for it. It's like that's all I wanted to do, and it does that for some things pretty well. But it overall, it has a lot of deficiencies that I think help people find, especially in you know, especially inserting like quality apps into it. It I think it makes can make it's a much more tri- difficult, much more difficult problem to solve. Um, and so that's where I was kind of trying to come at it from. It's like here's some things that I think tangibly, practically would make the store a better experience.
0: So let's start to run through these. Point number one is that apps should be required to pass approval on an ongoing basis. What do you mean by this? Well, so this is trying to deal with the problem that every
2: every Apple keynote always drives me crazy is when they get to the end and they start talking about the App Store and they hold put up a slide with we have so many it used to be hundreds of thousands of apps now it's we have you know one point two million apps on the App Store and it's being held out as though that is kind of in, like virtuous that yes we have lots of apps and that makes our store best, whereas the reality is most of the apps in the app store are not recently updated, are not relevant or work well in modern hardware, or would or maybe more t- more concretely would make it for a good user experience because of those reasons. Um, and so what I was trying to think of is a way to. it's very hard to say, like, well, what apps should be allowed in the App Store and which one shouldn't? Like, that gets, you know, the App Store review policy in general is very complicated. But I was trying to think of a way that I could say, how can you thin out the App Store, like the cruft or the, you know, the bad apps for whatever bad means, uh, in a way that's, like, fair and reasonable? And the best thing I could come up with is to say that if you make sure, if every app in the App Store had to be able to pass app review sort of at all times, rather than just when it's first uh, accepted to the store, over time, older apps would naturally be pulled out because they're no longer... Like right now, you have to be support iOS 7 if you submit an app to the App Store. That's one of the review guidelines. So every app that doesn't support iOS 7 would immediately disappear. Like, it would create that type of an incentive, and it's reasonable in the sense that the App Store guidelines apply on the front. Why don't they apply going forward? And so that's kind of where I was heading with that anyway or at least that's the problem i'm trying to solve
0: because i guess what happens is the app store search terms then just become junk boxes yeah full of like unloved unwanted abandoned applications in some instances
2: and 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 that's not creating a good experience for anybody i mean it's it's hurting developers of the you know the well-updated Current fresh apps because other people are finding these you know these older apps that have because they've been around for a long time often they'll rank very well on things like search um, and it's not good for the uh, customer side obviously because they're get they ultimately they're going to end up with you know they download an app that hasn't been updated in two two or three years it's probably not going to be an optimal experience it's probably not going to be designed to work on their device correctly and they're you know it's perhaps even unsupported and those types of things and so it's it's just not a good situation all around and so I. I think it's it's something that you know ultimately needs to be addressed.
1: But I'm wondering if I mean I completely agree, David, with you. But would this even be possible with apps that, that have already been approved on the App Store? Would this uh, possible new rule uh, would it be possible to apply uh, to apply uh, kind of in a uh, retroactively way to to, to old apps on the App Store? Like I'm wondering if maybe it's too late for Apple to change this. Maybe, and
2: I mean, obviously, like the simplest version of this is just to, if your app ha- is beyond a certain age and it hasn't been updated, it stops showing up in search. For example, like you can still link to it, you can still find it that kind of way, but it, it, or it gets you know severely punished in search or those types of things. And I mean, it's just trying to feel have a feeling that like, that the store isn't being filled with, you know. Uh, poor experiences that i want it to be filled. Like whatever, like whatever choice you make the ultimately in the store, I want the customer to come away with like every, exp- every choice you make is a good choice. Um, whether that's my app or if that's, you know, a competitor's app, like either way, I want you to be happy. And so like whether they could do it, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Apple can do anything. It's their store. Um, and I've seen some things they've been doing maybe to address the, like, where are they going this last WBDC? Uh, I, I, they seem to be do, doing a bit of a, you know, a, a, a bit of a cleanup in the store as it is. Like I've, they recently did, the, they're starting to pull apps, their downloaders, or have incentivized ads, and there seems to be movement in this area with our kind of going back and reevaluating apps that they have pushed into the store uh, previously. And so, I'm seeing some movement there, and hopefully over, over time that could help. Um, but I, but ultimately, I think it's it's it, it's a it is a hard problem to solve because you have to pick which apps are allowed, and that's a really hard thing to to know which like what are the right set for whatever set you know whatever because who you are is going to determine which ones which apps you like better or which ones you think should be there
0: now apple haven't to my knowledge uh done uh, addressed this in the wwc keynote or any of the new information that's come out um but one thing that has changed which could i think could potentially affect the overall quality of applications in the app store are widgets and extensions um, there could be a whole host of new, terrible applications and keyboards made um, that could, st- you know, would maybe be classed as lower quality applications that could stick around for a while. Um, David, do you think that this is an issue that, that you know, it, obviously these things are fantastic that we have them, but is there a chance that we could see new low quality applications?
2: Sure. I mean, this happens every time a new. A new technology enables a new type of application i mean every i mean maybe that's like i'm reminded of when the first iPhone got a flash, and so then suddenly there's this huge wave of new flashlight apps that were so, so suddenly possible, and so thousands of them were submitted to the store. I think we're going to see certainly thousands and thousands of new you know people who think they have it that it's it's coming up with a keyboard or some kind of a today view widget or extension or things. And some of them are going to be amazing, and they're going to sort of blow us away. Um, but it is certainly going to be challenging, especially if for an app whose primary purpose is to exist somewhere in some other context. Mm-hmm. How Apple is going to manage that in terms of like, does the app have to be useful when you launch it from the home screen, for example? Like, it may not make sense necessarily if your app is exclusively designed to be a today a today uh, view widget. Like, maybe that doesn't actually really make sense, and so seeing how they're going to manage that, I think, is certainly something I'm keeping my eye on.
1: Well, they're not even allowing developers to, to release apps that are just containers for extensions. I mean, they're, they're basically saying if you want to contain an extension, your app must have some basic functionality. So, Mike, to answer your question, I, I don't think the App Store will, will, will see apps that are just containers. Uh, of extensions they, they they must have some kind of basic feature now the problem is what does apple mean for basic functionality yeah so that's that's another problem and we're
0: going every keyboard is going to be a note taking app
1: yeah yeah exactly that's maybe the problem
0: So we're going to say, number one, no change. Uh, Number two, making the card's interface for search optional, if not limited. So, David, we now have a scrolling list instead. Is this any better, or have they just moved the card from one uh, direction to another?
2: I I think it's, I'm going to give this one a timid yes. Um, I think it's definitely, like, obviously the new version, the new scrolling thing they have is certainly still in beta, and from past years, the ultimate interface we get will likely be different than the one we get in beta 1. But the fact that they're addressing that the card's interface was not optimal and kind of tacitly admitting that in terms of the way like, hey, that thing we did before, we're not doing that anymore. We're doing this other thing. I, and so far in my playing with it, I like the scrolling better because it feels easier to look at lots of apps quickly. Because uh, the old one was a paging interface, so you swipe, you sort of like each swipe is one app. Versus being able to, so if you wanted to look at the tenth app, you would just ten swipes. Rather than in the scrolling interface, at least you can, if you want to find the tenth one, you just you know swipe up once and it'll, um, it'll, it'll get there. Um, and so I think it's better. It's not, you know, we'll we'll see exactly how they do it in terms of it's still one app per screen, and that that's a, that's always the tricky part is trying to give that you know it makes, it it makes being that first hit so so valuable that. Um, it creates a whole bunch of other problems that I think it would be better if they can de-emphasize that somewhat. You know, so that being the second hit and the third hit is still going to be discoverable by by customers. I think would help to expand the the range of apps that someone considers when they you know they put a put a search in. And if they if it feels like they only got one result back, then they're only going to look at that one result rather than um, you know browsing around and trying to find the thing that's actually a better fit for them.
0: So one one good point is in the new Explore tab, I believe apps are shown in a list, like they are in the top charts and stuff like yes. that. So in those instances, so not in search, but in in some sort of app store, there, there is now a new pli- place in the app store that shows many many applications at once, rather than just the featured page or the charts. And hopefully that will be that will be a bit better. And I think yes. we'll talk a bit more about that in a moment. Yeah. So we're going to go for a timid yes on number a timid two. Yes. I like that, uh, and then we have number three. While still algorithmic, algorithmically <laughs> based, <laughs> periodically vet the most popular keywords to ensure good relevance. So, in a nutshell, curation. You know, um, yeah. And me and Federico have spoken, especially Federico, at length about like beach music and the curation stuff there. Um, and we now have keywords that will be visible at the top of the searches, um, as we've seen reported in the past by a good Italian friend. Um, what what do you think about this? Is is any are any of these moves more towards that? I
2: I think the search doesn't really get this, maybe slightly, but I think the explore area, I think pretty much hits what I was going for here, um, and I am. Pretty excited about the explore area replacing the near to me tab, which never really useless, seemed to do
0: anything. The useless near me tab, basically.
2: Yeah, because what explore does is, is, it seems like it, it is a bit more of a curated experience. It is in a place that app because the information that they're using to display those isn't things that we provide as developers. You know, I just provide that an app is health and fitness. In, in, you know, when I'm submitting it to the store. But yet, if you look in their, de- you know, look in their demonstrations, they're drilling down by sort of subcategories and looking very specifically at applications. And so somebody at Apple has thought about what apps go in what bucket. Um, and whether that's being done programmatically or just, you know, somebody sitting looking at every app individually, like there is some level of curation happening there. And I think that'll make it better for if you go to the explore tab and you're looking for a Twitter client and you go to, you know, social media and then you look for a Twitter client there may just be a short list of apps that really are those things and aren't just don't just have one of the keywords that happen to match and be popular in another area um so i think the this the the search side of that didn't necessarily get massively improved but i think the explore tab addresses the need in perhaps even a better
1: way
0: Federico how do you feel about the explore tab uh, this definitely seems like something that you've been asking for for a while
1: yeah yeah, and uh, like David said, uh, there seems to be some kind of curation level, and, and I'm very happy about that. But I'm wondering, I mean, do normal users even care about browsing the App Store with those kind of specific sections and and you know seeing multiple results for stuff like Twitter clients or, or I don't know, maybe productivity apps? Uh, I want to believe so, uh, and I want to believe that a better organization of the App Store could lead to users uh, willing to find out more about the app's they about you know apps in general, and I'm also curious to see how Apple will um, integrate these uh, these custom sections and and specific categories that they're doing with the other curation stuff that they do. Uh, because if you go to the Explore section right now, uh, there's a combination of uh, near me. Uh, Recommendations. So the location stuff is still happening inside the Explore page, and then there's uh, categories with uh, with these new specific uh, buckets of applications. There's the the weekly recommendations that the App Store does with all the fancy custom designs. So there's a there seems to be a lot of different curation methods on on the Explore page right now. So I'm guessing that. Apple will have a lot of time to to improve and to bring a consistent consistent experience to the Explore page. Yeah. Right now it seems like there's a lot of different things going on.
0: I think if you look at it right now though, they're probably pulling in those pages from the current live pages on the store. So maybe there'll be more of a consistent experience when iOS 8 is actually available. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be one to look for. And
2: and yeah, like I said, it's 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 certainly in, it's still in beta, it's the first beta. I think the thing the thing that's comforting to me is that it's there. Like that's how they yeah. chose that. The, like that. That is something that they are. They're putting. You know, one fifth of the app stores, like Prime Real Estate, is now something whose purpose is to help you find a diversity of apps, sort of deeply in the store. Like that. Sort of its purpose is to give you a place to go and just browse around and to see interesting apps. Like that. That's that. That 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 they thought that was a goal or a worthwhile goal. Like that makes me happy, and hopefully it'll just get better and better.
0: I think it's interesting that they, they've they've always struggled to find a purpose for that tab. So it used to be Genius, yep. right, which yes. I don't think anybody used, yeah. and then Near Me, which nobody uses, so let's hope that it's not just a cursed tab and that uh, people will <laughs> actually use the new Explore feature. So I'm going to give you a yes on that one, David. Yes. And, yep, yep. Uh, and then we have another one following straight up, which is Power Search, so... The ability to filter and manage search results to more finely tune the results—that's definitely something that's been included, um, which we've spoken about. So when you now search, you'll be given a bunch of keywords which will allow you to drill down into into more finite searches. Would you agree that that one's pretty much tied up? Yep, yep. And it's it's even better on the iPad. I found. Um, oh yeah.
2: It, it's they have a lot more even boxes. You sort sort of like things with all they can. They use the screen real estate there to make it even better because. But you know, it definitely helps to be able to just you know more finely tune it because every other place that I go to to buy something that has a large catalog, you know, I go to Amazon.com and I want to buy a toaster. Like I can very quickly narrow down to what I'm interested in um, just by checking a few boxes. And so applying that same thing here, I mean, it's like if they're going to say we have 1.2 million apps and have that be a fan, uh, like an important part f- for the store, like you need to find a way to you know sort of filter through that size of a.
0: You know that that size of a result set that you're going to get back. So I'd like to put five and six together. So yes, definitely. Point, point five is educate App Store customers about what the refund policy is, and ideally fra- phrase it in clear terms. And number six, make the process of applying for a refund clear and straightforward. So it doesn't appear that anything's changed here. Um, and you outline in the post that right now you have to, if you want to have a refund of an application, you have to go to reportaproblem.apple.com and you fill in a form. And then it goes off to some nebulous place and you make it your refund. Yeah. As a developer, why would you want this to be so obvious? This would be customers basically saying, give me my money back. Yes. So why 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 does that interest you? Why is that something you want to see? So this is coming from a place of one of the
2: biggest challenges or the most challenging way to make money in the app store right now, I would say, is to if you have a paid app, uh, an application that has kind of like an upfront cost. Um, And I would say increasingly that seems to be something that is just, it's a a hard place to make a living. Customers don't typically want to buy apps. They'd rather have a free app, um, potentially within-app purchase. And that's a whole other debate in terms of if if that's you know which one's better or not, or if we'd ever get trials or if we'd ever get something like that. Um, but what I'm getting at with this is that I I know for myself and my personal just like my personal real like real world shopping, I like buying things at a store that has a very clear sort of no strings attached re- return policy. That that makes me feel kind of more liberated to try things that I may not necessarily try otherwise, or that I would. You know, it makes me be feel a little bit less thoughtful. I'm like, well, if I don't like it, I'll just take it back. Um, and I think when I was, t- I think for something like a paid app, I could see it having a similar effect. Of it's almost like a trial in some ways, and all, but it's like, and they already have some type of return policy. It's never been stated, and it's kind of very amorphous. But like, I've gotten a refund for things, so I'm sure it exists. And so this is trying trying to find a way to within their current framework. Of rather than saying I need a time limited trial or I need something like that, that's a whole other other more complicated thing. It's like, well, what if we just made refunds more obvious to customers? And so when a customer buys an app, they don't feel like, oh no, if I spend this two dollars and I don't like it, I'll never get my two dollars back. If we made it a bit more straightforward to be like, you know, here you go. If if you don't like it with, within whatever the certain period you know window is or period, like you can just hit a button, you'll get your money back. I know it's like I wonder if that would help um, paid apps a little bit. So that's where I was coming from with that, and yeah, there wasn't anything in it this time, and it's 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 on the side of things that I don't expect much movement. That's certainly yeah. a bit more wishful thinking.
0: What do you think is the the right time period to to claim a refund in?
2: I would I would probably say within twenty four hours of it first being opened.
0: I think that's um, what Google used to do twenty four hours, um, something like. But I think those is fifteen minutes now. They're having some problems with the twenty-four hour limit. Sure, games. It, I think yeah, that was it. Games was the issue.
2: Cause sure, where you, if you get your enjoyment out of it very quickly, then well, it's
0: yeah, many many smartphone games, not many, but quite a lot of smartphone games. Maybe before the world of in-app purchase could be completed within twenty-four hours. Yeah. So people would complete games and then just get refunds for them by deleting them because that's all you did. You just if you deleted an application within that time frame, you would get a refund automatically, and it's still the same. But I think it's fifteen minutes now, which I think is a great policy. By the way, I think it's one of the great things about the Play Store. It's one of my favorite parts as a customer. Yeah,
2: and and I think as a developer that works for me. Like I. On the hand, you could say, like, "Oh, well, it makes it easier for people to get refunds, which will hurt you." But I think the reality is, it's if, if someone downloads one of my apps and you know, 14 minutes later, wants to de- wants to delete it. Like I've done something wrong, and I it's better for them to get their money back than for them to leave a one star review in the App Store for me, saying that oh, I downloaded it. it's the wrong thing, I don't like it, and they took my money. Like I'd rather just be able to like give that person their money back and move on.
0: It looks like I've just checked it on the in the Google Play Store guidelines. They've changed it slightly again. Now you have to go back into the App Store, and if the if you're within the 15 minute window, instead of it saying uninstall when you go to the app in your My Apps section, it will say refund. Okay. So now you have to actually ask for it, but it's still better than a form.
2: Yeah, and it's it's just one of these things that it feels it always feels odd that there is there is no like the published policy, as best I know, is that there are no re- refunds issued on for app purchases. Like the official, like if you try and read the legalese of the iTunes Connect, the twenty like the twenty three page document, you agree when you you do an update. Um, like somewhere in there, it seems to be like there is no refunds. Like all sales are final, but that's not tr- actually the case in terms of in practice. And so I just always seems like it's 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 an easier place for them to attack the problem of um making customers feel comfortable making purchases um than than doing it on the other side of trying to do some kind of a real like a, a full on trial type of thing that's a different mode or a different thing that you just make it easy to get a refund which is the same thing in practice but a little
0: bit easier conceptually i think so we go on to number seven, uh, present a typical overall cost for an app in the app store. So my my assumption of this is that you would like Apple to to using the data that they have from the top grossing charts and stuff like that show that the average person spends ten dollars on the free candy crush game.
2: Yes, yeah, and this is this actually I, I could it's easily grouped with number eight uh, show how much you've spent in an app so far every time you do a new purchase. Um, these two things are trying to address the I, – I, when I see apps like the most – all the most – the top grossing apps in the store are always these free-to-play games that have these kind of dubious mechanics and things in them trying to you know, sort of extract money out of a relatively small number of their, their audiences, which is a, a much bigger discussion. But the thing that I've always thought is that these – to make that more honest – and up front and to give those apps parity in a more like true way to the store like if you go to the app store and you look at monument valley and i think it's $5 something like that yeah. right it's this, this 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 beautiful this beautifully crafted game it's $5 you look at candy crush and it's $0 that's actually not representative of what the average customer's experience is in those games you know, in, in, in those two games, like the Monument Valley customer is going to spend $5 and that's all they're going to spend. Whereas I have no idea what the number is, but my suspicion is the typical candy crush, candy crush customer spends way more than $0 um, in the store. Yeah. And so I think just, it's just being upfront about that and saying it's free, but it's, you know, it's, it's free within app purchase. And there's a lot of things that are going to come at you with that. And, you know, they made it better a little bit. Like they have had all those new badges and markings in the app store so that, you know, there's, next to the free button it says offers in-app purchase um, but i think being specific in a more tangible way would be you know even, even an even better step in that regard
1: david do you think that maybe it's not in apple's interest to to advertise this kind of average expense on games because uh maybe it would it would you know maybe people would would maybe think twice about spending money on on a, on a game that looks free but it's not really free
2: maybe I mean, I guess it gets into is that better? Like, is yeah. is is it, it's like like you said? It's like you're. It's is it better for the customer downloading that app to be slightly deceived when they download it in terms of them experiencing? I don't. And maybe I'm just projecting. And customers really are like, well, they know what they're getting into when they're downloading a free game um but maybe they don't and it's it's being a just a bit more honest about it maybe it's just like being upfront, and it doesn't have to be the actual number like i mean i would imagine this could even just imagine this being like a you know it's like one two or three dollar signs like you have for like uh hotels in a right like a, in, in, a, in a travel book or something like it's just trying to give it's trying to be more upfront with people and like the next one is what's like telling people how much they've spent every time you buy something new in an app it's like to make it you know, to try and at least make sure that people are understanding what they're doing. And like, that gets into personal responsibility questions. But at the end of the day, it's making sure that we're just being upfront and honest, like, it shouldn't be like this kind of like tricky, shady thing that's going on there that, oh, you're going to get this free thing. And then actually, it's going to end up taking a you know, it's costing you a lot of money to do the thing once it's kind of, you know, put all these manipulations or tactics on you to make you feel like you have to or you need to and like, you know, it gets very dubious very quickly, and so it's it's one of the parts of the store that I feel like you know could use some um, extra transparency or honesty.
0: I think that number number eight, the one about showing each new app, so each each cost, like the total cost for for the to the app the, as as you make each new purchase, I think that one is is uh, one that really really should be implemented. Implemented, like because number seven could get. Difficult if sure. if you have some people on the top end that are skewing the figures, which I think is definitely possible, right? You've got because you know these games have these like one hundred pounds or one hundred dollar uh, sure. IAPs, and that will skew it a little bit uh, to show oh on average people spend a dollar when actually they they may not um but showing your current spend in that application i think it would be really really good to know even if even if they didn't show it in the app but you could go to a part of the app store and see it you know sure. like if- how you have the subscriptions like yeah. there should be a summary of in-app purchases by application or something like that yeah i think that would be a really a really good thing to see um how do you feel about the new family purchasing rules like the the parental approval for in-app purchases on the same credit card and stuff like that how do you feel about that
2: i love it and i was actually when you said that i was about to say and i think it would be an especially useful tool for parents yeah um to be able to look at the account and say like and like how much money have you spent in candy crush how much money have you spent in clash of clans like it it's right now i think you'd have to go and look at your itunes receipts and kind of add things which is impossible yeah, like yeah. It, it's it. I love the the new family stuff. I think it's great. It, it eliminates. It, it solves a real problem that like I face in my own life, where you have these. Like my wife and I have different iClouds accounts, but a combined shared App Store iTunes account, so that you know when she buys a, a song, I can listen to it, and when she when I buy an app, she can download it. Like it. it Solves that problem that we're all kind of dancing around with having multiple accounts to just say like no you're a family you can kind of pull things together and you know that that thing where you, you know, as a, like a, a whatever a child account can request a purchase to be you know authorized by their parents like that's great I think that's just you know if, if anything as a developer like I think things that make it make create an environment where people can be making thoughtful purchases. Like that sounds, that that sounds perfect. Cause then I'm, it's going to avoid the situation. Like it's always bad for me as a developer when it like the, you know, the big, the New York times headline is, you know, child ripped off by app developer, you know, spent, you know, took thousands of dollars in Smurf berries. Like yeah. that's, that's not good for me as a developer. I'd far prefer to have be working in an, an environment where like, that's not the case, you know, that there's, Systems and policies in place that make it so like that's not going to happen, because um, then you know it avoids that 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 downside for me. So I like it, and as as like both as a developer and personally, like I can't wait to turn that on and not have to fuss with all the different uh, accounts that I have to juggle currently.
0: So while while it's good that there are some changes to the way some of this stuff's working, I think it's fair to say that seven and eight have not been addressed.
2: No. No, they have not been addressed directly. There are things around them that are being are being done that help and that help solve the same problem. But I think in app purchase is still kind of a a bit of a wild west in the app store um, as it is right now.
0: Your ninth recommendation or request is to drop or reframe the top grossing chart. I don't think this has changed. Um, what no. what what is your overall issue with the top grossing chart?
2: The challenge, I think, with with the grossing chart is that it is skewed towards a very particular type of app, and I'm not sure it's providing valuable information to a customer necessarily. Um, I remember when it was originally added, and this is like three, probably three or four years ago. So quite a while, quite a long time. It, the context in which I remember it being added was along the lines of. Um, app develop, like if you had a, if you were OmniFocus and your app was $20, there you would n- never show up in any charts because you weren't going to be high volume. So you wouldn't be top paid. Um, and you weren't obviously a free app. So at the time, those are the only two places you could show up. And so it seemed like top grossing was a response to that yeah. to say, if you are like this kind of a premium app. If you're trying, if you are a high cost, high quality piece of software, there's a place for people to go and find you. And it turned out, top grossing just ended up being filled with um, other types of apps and other types of places that, like it's you know, it's, it's it's mostly free to play games and th- those those types of apps. And maybe you, as you get into smaller and smaller categories, uh, it can be ha- become a bit more um, useful. But I think as it is. I'm not sure how useful it is to, you know, to, to give you essentially a list of if you go to the top top, grossing list. It's like here's a list of uh, free to play games that are doing great. Like I don't know if that's that 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 real estate that it's currently filling. Uh, I think could be better filled with something else.
0: Federico, do you ever use the the top grossing chart at all?
1: Mainly out of curiosity huh, to see yeah. what the rest of the world uh, does, to like to keep a grip on reality. Yeah. To
0: see what, what is the current hot in that purchase yeah. game, basically.
1: Yeah, and also as a discussion point, you know, because maybe I'm hanging out with my friends and they're like, oh, did you see the new X game? So, you know, just checking on the top charts and, and you don't seem like a fool because you know what's going on. And especially me, because they're, the, all my friends assume that, you know, writing for about this stuff for a living, they always assume that I know about the latest uh, trend or, you know, free game so yeah i do check on the charts but primarily for my friends is that is that an acceptable answer mike
0: well yeah because it shows that you're not doing it with any real usefulness like oh yeah you're (laughs) not going there to find new apps for yourself no 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 no. because that I'm, i'm exactly the same like i only ever click that button if i've pressed all the other buttons in the app store like if I'm just poking around in there, like I think we all do from time to time, which is why I'm so excited about the explore tab, because it gives me some new places to kind of poke around and find some things. Um, but I only ever go to the top grossing tab out of pure curiosity. I, I cannot remember an app that I downloaded in the last six, 12 months from, from that looking at that list. Because it is just apps I already know about, and it's the same ones constantly. Because unlike unlike the charts, which fluctuate on on a multitude of different things, you know, on downloads and uh, reviews and stuff like that, this is purely on how much is being spent per day. So the most addictive game is the one that shows up at the top. So that can stay the same for a long time.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think there's so many other uses. that, like, even if you say... Maybe an obvious example would be to replace it with top grossing to like best reviewed or top rated or those types of things. Yeah. Like you could you could imagine other other ways to use that real estate and providing better information to customers. Like here's the best rated you know, apps that are top rated in the last twenty-four hours essentially. Mm-hmm. Like it's the same rather than basing it on money, it's basing it on, you know, stars in reviews or something. Like that's providing a different level of information. And obviously it could be gamed in other ways that are perhaps more ephemeral but i think that it's space in the store that could be better used and so i'm I'm a little sad that it didn't seem to be addressed at all
0: i I mean i would really like to see like a trending or something like that you know not necessarily based on downloads but what are the apps that are receiving a lot of traffic to the store right now you know that kind of thing as opposed to top grossing because it is kind of a pointless list but however is still there um Number ten, we have to define a clear policy about where, how, and when applications may prompt for reviews. So, this is harkening back to the um, sort of storm in a teacup that was generated recently um, over, you know, how apps are asking you for reviews, and this was kind of spearheaded by by John Gruber, and he was pointing out and highlighting a bunch of applications that were um, asking for reviews at a certain point and it, and it kind of you know and I say storming the teacup not derogatively but just that it made waves in our little corner of the internet that this was a terrible thing Um I mean one as a developer David how do you feel about doing this do you is it something that you want to put in your application but are now are a fear of, of being ridiculed for doing so
2: it's something that I've never liked, and I, I will probably, for disclosure, like some of my apps, I've tried it, some of my apps, i never, I've never, never had it. Like it's, it's something that I've experimented with. Um, I've never really liked doing it because it feels like I'm making my business problem like my customer's problem. Um, and that's, sure. that, that, that seems like a very strange thing to do where like, and so... I've never really liked it, and inevitably, like if you're doing it in a modal way, you're I'm interrupting their experience and making it worse by, you know, to address kind of a business need that I have, and so the thing that I don't like about the current situation is that there is no policy on it. Um, like for better or worse, I just would love for there to be a clear you know from apple review policy type of thing that says you know it's like even if in if it was apps may ask you know prompt users for reviews as you know as often as they like and they can go crazy at least then it's like it's a clear thing that uh, which i guess is what what we have now but uh, in an ideal world they would have some kind of more directed policy about it to say like you know this is this is something that you can do but you know you should Not do it more often than this, or maybe you can't do it modally. You can ask people for reviews, but only in a way that you know is uh, you know in like the classic one is like in a setting screen next to the like contact us button. You also have like write a review, and I you know I get a lot of performance out of that in in terms of it's in general. I think it attracts the right kind of person, and it gets especially tricky, obviously, when it's like the write a you know write us a five star review. We'll give you some in app. uh, you know points or gold or something like there's all kinds of really tricky things yeah. that people start to do um because there is no policy about it and so i think whatever the policy like i would love for it to be skewed on one end obviously but i would just like for there to be a policy about when how and when you or how and when you can do this so you know we I mean, didn't really see that
0: i i would argue that this is something that apple has shown that they care about in the past um like if you remember and some time ago, the rate on deletion screen. So when you deleted uh-huh. an app and it would say rate this app, which showed that Apple cared about ratings but showed a fundamental un- misunderstanding with how people use applications. Because yeah. why would you delete an app that you'd give five stars to? Like it Fundamentally, those things don't <laughs> match up. But, but what it did show, I th- I feel, is that Apple wanted ratings in the store. So it surprises me that there isn't like a standardized way or even an API which allows for this stuff to be done in a non-obtrusive way, um, or just a cleverer way than anybody has currently thought of before, which is kind of what we lean on Apple to provide.
2: Sure. I mean, one thing that I've always been thinking about is why the updates area in the App Store doesn't let you leave reviews directly. Um, That's always seemed to me to be the the right place to ask somebody.
0: Mm -hmm. That's a really Um, good... Yeah, because you're going there and interacting with an app that you use on a regular basis.
2: And so, like, right now you can do it. You tap on the app's icon, then you hit ratings and reviews, then you hit write a review, and then you hit your star rating, and then you hit submit.
0: Yeah, see, I hate like, that process. Like,
2: that's terrible. Versus yeah. if you just, like, they, you know, every... It's a place that... Here's here's a bunch of apps that you have. That's the only place in the app store that it's a list of apps on your phone, right? Everywhere else is the whole store or the purchased apps that you may or may not currently have. But, like, the updates area, that's an app that you currently have that just did something. And how do you feel about that? Was it good? Was it not so good? Like that's a place that I think could help this, that to just make it easier to try and collect that. Because yeah, I think Apple does care, and I think it provides really valuable information both for other customers to know, like is this a good app? And it, for me as a developer, like if I do an update and my star, you know, my star rating takes a, you know, takes t- starts plummeting, it's like what did I do? You know, it's it's the most some of the most direct feedback I get from a really broad audience. So. I'd love to see them just can, can expand the ways that people can do it and make it better.
0: Like, you know, I imagine like a, a UI that next to the update button, there's a star and you press the star and hold down and just drag to the number. You know, like kind of like how they've got that new sort of press and hold and move around UI in messages. That's sure. you know, It's kind of like a bunch of these apps like Snapchat and stuff like that now. It could be a interesting way of just using the real estate and putting it in there. Uh, Federico, let me ask you a couple of quick questions. Uh, One, what do you feel about this, the idea of developers asking for reviews, and how often do you personally review applications? And I think we may have touched on this before um, in regards to writing reviews, but when you leave personal reviews.
1: Well, uh, the the second question is that... uh, because I always write reviews for my site, I often forget to do the same for the App Store.
0: Yeah, and arguably your reviews are more important than the ones that go in the App no, Store. No, I
1: don't know. I mean, it's it's a, I, mean, um, I try to at least leave a review for an app that I really like once a week. Uh, I know that I could probably do more because I try so many apps and, you know, uh, and, and it's useful to provide uh, feedback on the App Store that everybody can see, not necessarily if you read my site. Um, for the issue of prompting for reviews maybe it's just me but i i didn't really care and i and i don't really care i, I mean I, I know that there's no system for developers to to ask for ratings there's no unified api there's no apple provided tool or you know just general policy so i understand that developers need ratings and reviews to you know for uh, for the app store so i mean it's it's just a button, you know. I just have to to say no. I never saw that as a big deal, honestly. I know that some people uh, are personally offended by review prompts. Uh, I just don't care, and and that's that's always been my line of thought for this issue since it first it uh, first became popular a few months ago. I, I don't really care.
0: I'm with you, actually. It doesn't doesn't bother me, and there have been there are times where I use that. And I actually go and do it. And oh, the, yeah, because,
1: it, because you forget, right? Because yeah. the developer is like, hey, you should leave a review. And you're like, yeah, why not? I mean, it's, it's a fine app. Yeah. It's, um, I guess I'm just not bothered. Maybe I have a higher level of tolerance to this stuff. I don't know.
0: If if uh, you do care about leaving reviews, there is a movement, uh, a hashtag Rate Friday movement, yeah. which I've seen. So it's a good way to get involved, and it's a good prompt to actually write reviews if that's something that you're... That you're interested in doing, I believe that was started by uh, Luke Vandal.
1: Yeah, Adobe, Yeah, yeah.
0: And, and I see the guys at Real Mac uh, that they they talk about it on Fridays. So it's, yeah, it's a good way to get involved in it if you want to. And I guess that that hashtag also helps you find good apps, right? Because people talk about the apps that they like. Yeah. Yep. So we are on to number eleven. Make the rating scale a rolling weighted average rather than just the current version, at least soon. After updates, this is, this confuses me. I find it a very peculiar thing. So, David, if anybody that doesn't know, what what changed here? So, originally,
2: your you only had your overall uh, rating in the App Store, which you know, so it's all the stars you've ever gotten added up together and averaged out, which works okay until you have something where, you know, you release a point release that happens to include some horrible crashing bug and all of a sudden all your uh, all you know all you you're flooded with one star reviews you just get you know hundreds or thousands of them that are applied to a very specific version you get an expedited review you get it fixed everything's happy but all your all those old one star reviews are still there like they're still p- were part of your 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 score and there was no way to ever sort of dig yourself out of it and so apple changed the policy a couple years ago so that whenever you do a new update it shows you it kind of resets your ranking every time you do an update. And it's fine except the way that they implement it is that for the first probably couple days after you do an update, um, it will often show that you have no rankings, that you have no ratings, you have a you know essentially you're a, like you're a, a zero star app or a no star app maybe. Um, and that always seems like it like that at the time that you're tr- trying to do your most work for promotion with an app, you know, it's a new update or it's a new app that's launched. Um, It just, you know, if you open open up the app store, it says no ratings. And so I have love is for rather than it saying no ratings to either show the overall ratings for the app um, or show like just show nothing there or something like something that isn't quite as misleading as saying no ratings because it, it disincentivizes the wrong thing because sometimes like if I have a good five-star rating in the store for an app, there's a small part of me that doesn't want to update it because whenever I do, I'm going to have to climb that mountain again and I'm going to have to deal with a couple of days um, where my sales will probably get hurt by someone, you know, someone opens it up in the store and it says, you know, no ratings. It's like no ratings. Now, even, you know, usually when I see that, I think, oh, no one, you know, this no one, no one uses this. This isn't, um, you know, this isn't actually an app that's worth checking out. So I just wish it was something a bit more fluid, um, especially around when you do an update.
1: And you can see this problem today. Uh, there's the new Launch Center Pro version uh, that came out today, version 2.3, uh, which adds a lot of new features. Uh, IFTTT support, gives uh, really cool stuff. And now people going to the app store, they see no ratings for for this new for this new version. So if yeah. you don't know the app, if you just go to the app store, everybody's talking about this app. Maybe you read about the update uh, on a website, or maybe just just a friend of yours told you about the, the this new app, and you go to the app store, and you assume that nobody's using this app. So maybe you you don't you don't buy the app.
2: Yeah, and so it's just it's it, I think it's a small tweak or something there. To even if it just showed the overall for the like if it do, if for the for the whole app's year-to-date life or. Right you know, life to date, if it just showed you your overall rating, even if it didn't have any ratings for the current version or something, it just, it's one of these little pet peeves that I have when I do all this work I get this update out, put it in the store and it immediately looks like it's kind of abandoned and no one's using it. So that's, I, I wish we'd see something there, but I don't think we got anything, uh, at least so far this time around.
0: We have number 12 now, expand the scope and frequency of editorial coverage in the store. Uh, Federico, I'm actually going to pass that to you (laughs) because I know this is something you care about so much. Have we seen anything uh, other than the Explore tab that that shows that we have something here?
1: Uh, Other than the Explore tab in iOS 8, uh, they recently started doing the uh, best of uh, monthly collection. So this is kind of confusing to explain. Basically, because the app store only... Refreshes on uh, on Thursdays. The first Thursday of a new month, they do the best of collection of the month that just ended. So they're doing this. They've been doing this for two months now: best of April and best of May. And so there's that's something. They're also doing. um, They seem to be increasing the frequency of um, event related uh, custom. Collections. So, for instance, they they're doing this week um, uh, a section for apps and games for the World Cup, the soccer soccer World Cup, and I've seen this kind of uh, you know event based uh, curation stuff going on for for a while now. Uh, but but the main change seems to be the, the the explore section and the new the new categories and the, and the, and the custom. Uh, collection of apps, uh, the developers don't have access to because, uh, as David said before, you cannot specify, hey, my app is a, is a, I don't know, is a tennis uh, tracker or something, is a, or my app is a task management for GTD people. You don't have that kind of uh, control over the the category of the app store. So that seems to be the focus for iOS eight, and like I said. I'm not sure if normal people will care, but the fact that the the section is right in the middle of the App Store uh, application, front and center in the in the in the UI, that's a good sign.
0: David, do you have anything you want to add to that at all?
2: Um, I think it's yeah, I think just just what you said. I it, I was very very encouraged by the things that I'm I'm seeing in that in that area, and I'd actually combine it with uh, number 14, which is about expanding the diversity of categories in the App Store. I, I think the Explore tab has the potential and maybe the promise of being something that I've always I've really wanted in the app store is a more a curated like way to sh- expand out in the app into the like deep reach deeply into the app store and find all the really cool hidden gems that currently are hard to harder are hard to find that if you're looking for something very specific that there's a way that you can go and it isn't just search it's not just like Talents you know i'm looking for the I'm looking for my tennis tracker i mean, I type in tennis tracker that sort of works, but it's much more it seems much more compelling to me if I go and I find a list that was curated by somebody who actually looked at all these apps and said these are the ones that I think you should consider you know these are here's like the top twenty tennis trackers and you can go and look at it and you can it, that sense of curation in the back of my head will i know is for me as a customer will always make me more liberal with my purchasing. Like, it, it makes me feel more comfortable that I'm not going to make a mistake, that um, I feel comfortable if someone says, no, 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 it's a good app, then I'll go and try it in a way that if I'm like, I don't know, I, then you, I have to go and look at the reviews or I'll have to start kind of weighing things and looking more, a bit more closely. And so I'm delighted that they seem to be really expanding their editorial coverage, expanding the number of categories that we can have and making that more front, front and center and prominent in the store
0: itself. So thumbs up. So we then have, so I'm going to say 12 and 14 are a yes. Definitely. And then 13 is a straight out yes as well. So (laughs) number 13 is making an app's featured status visible after their initial feature, which they said, yes, they're putting the editor's choice badge right in the search results. It's right front and center. David, how important is this to a developer? I
2: think it is, how how important it actually is going to end up being will have to be seen. But I like the direction that that is heading, because what I would love is for Apple to put their weight behind giving developers incentives for making just awesome things that you know that, that, that I can feel like if, if I you know if like taking a risk and building something interesting and having it being interesting on the quality side, not in terms of anything else. It's like I'm just trying to make the most amazing app possible and it gets featured. And that's awesome and that's great. The challenge has always been that once it's once the next Thursday rolls around, your visibility could very quickly fall off and the value of like of having that feature, of being, you know, an editor's choice, like that's a big deal. It seems like it's always been kind of a, a missed opportunity that you couldn't then easily you know, that the, the app store wasn't communicating that to, to people going forward. And so now it's like in a way that it should be, like, it's a badge of honor, right? Like, if you've built an app that got an editor's choice, like, it's awesome that people are going to be able to see that going forward. And so you can, you know, it's like that, and hopefully that'll have a, a, you know, increase your, you know, your follow on uh, the importance of that, because it's just incentivizing the right behavior that when I think in my head, if I'm trying to build an app, that's going to be an editor's choice from Apple, what's it going to look like? That's a different calculus then if i'm gonna what what app am I gonna build that I think I could extract the most money from for example um, or those types of things like it's a very different kind of a goal and the more things and that Apple can do to incentivize the first category I think the better the store will be that it will it, you know it incentivizes people to take more risks to be more adventurous and to you know to make these really cool like platform shit you know altering apps um as a result so i'm i'm I was really excited to see that and I, I hope it you know, like that type of thing just keeps just sticking around for making sure that, you know, communicating to customers. If Apple has spent the energy to say, yes, we love this app. This is awesome. You should go get it. That they keep saying that going forward, at least for a while.
0: So if we look at this all in conclusion now, because we've come to the end of the 14, even though we kind yeah. of jumped around a little bit at the end. Sure. Um, if we include your timid yes, then you have six to eight for yes to no. It's a, pr- it's a pretty good score sheet. Yeah, I'm I'm very encouraged. Uh, How does it make you feel then? So looking at these things, so you asked 14 things. Six of them have been implemented. And, you know, it, it may be now. See, one of the things that I look at is I look at the, the final eight, right? Um, and a bunch of those things, they seem like, oh, Apple would never do that. However, I feel like in the last couple of weeks in the last yeah in the last week or so we have seen many things implemented by apple many new things that we thought that they would never do so right now it kind of feels like anything is possible like there's apple could do anything right now i think that's kind of and that was kind of the resounding feeling that i got from talking to developers at wwdc was there's very much a feeling of well any anything's possible now like, it feels like this is a new apple, and that, that that's a term that's being bounded around a lot. Does that match the way that you're feeling, David? Yes, yes, very much so. I mean, I come,
2: I come out of last week, and, you know, in some ways, if I'd gotten everything I'd wanted, I would have been more nervous than having to think. <laughs> They're watching like me. It would it'd be a little, t- or even just, it would just be a very big, it would be too much change all at once, yeah. that... If you're going to change things, I think it's it's wise and appropriate to change things in a measured, you know, a measured way going forward. And seeing 6 steps forward is way better than seeing 2 steps backwards, which I like iOS uh, 7 like this, the App Store got worse in a lot of ways. Like the cards came and that made things a lot more you know, awkward and they did the near the nearby tab which didn't really seem to be useful for many people. And so it felt like last year, you know, it's like it was two steps back. And now it's like six steps forward. Like, I'll take that. I am delighted about it. Like, And, you know, I'm sure next year I'll have another another list of things that I think could be better. But the fact that it's getting better and that I feel like Apple is taking it seriously and it, it is something that they're, they're thinking about and they're making, you know, they're really putting effort behind, like that makes me really encouraged. And that ultimately makes me want to make better apps right like it makes me gives me more confidence in the platform as a place to to make my living so i'm i'm pretty psyched and i think like you said it's anything's possible now like things that i thought wouldn't be possible like maybe they are maybe you know, we'll have to see but I'm, I'm i'm much
0: more hopeful so we're going to assume that going into WBC wasn't expecting this sort of result
2: no not 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 specifically. I was. Ho- I mean, I, I, if I'm honest, I probably would have guessed that. If I would have said, I would have hoped for that there would have been something like one thing <laughs> that they did that would have been like, oh, awesome! That one thing they addressed, and I got a, I got a handful, so I'm I'm delighted by that.
0: Federico, how are you feeling about this? Obviously, the App Store is something of of great importance to you. That the changes that Apple started to make to the App Store that we've spoken about today, as well as everything else. Um, how does this make you feel about the Apple of like J- June two thousand and
1: fourteen? Pretty good overall because I'm confident that they do care about curation and search improvements and you know highlighting the best apps and uh, these custom collections. They do they do seem to 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 care about giving customers a better way to discover apps. I just wish that that they all that this care this attention and this um, transparency was also available to developers because um there, there there always seems to be for all the good intentions and the good changes and the good stuff that they showed uh, at WWDC, uh, there's always the the feeling that you may make an app as a, as a developer that, that that one day the 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 app review team will for some reason uh, reject or remove from the App Store. So I, I would like to see an evolution of the App Store gu- guidelines that that the company first uh, uh, conceived. Years ago, and now iOS devices are so, and and the ecosystem really, um, is just so different from four years ago, five years ago, that I w- I would like to see an evolution of the App Store also reflected in the guidelines, not just in the in the App Store uh, interface. That that's my my primary, uh, that my primary wish for, for, for a better App Store to 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 give developers, um. The, the the feeling that they can create uh, different kind of apps that won't be rejected or uh, uh, removed from sale for some reason someday because nobody knows why.
0: David, could you get to writing that post please so we can <laughs> we can <laughs> please David because <laughs> they're, they're listening to you. To you. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm just yeah, gonna bri- I'm just
1: gonna bribe David from now on with feature requests. That that works. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So, underscore, do you have any uh, any closing thoughts at all about about this? Or are you feeling you feeling pretty good right now? I mean, you got maybe a, a stronger result than we expected.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm feeling good. Like there are still certainly challenges. Like there's work to be done, and I I don't I doubt Apple would say, oh, we you know we, we we've made some improvements and now we can you know so, sort of sit back for a couple of years. And I, I hope that they're continuing to look at it. And you know, there's still a lot of challenges in the App Store in terms of you know, it's like making your living there and sustainability and those kinds of questions and things like there's, you know, it's, it's not like we do, it's like, we didn't get everything, but we got a ton of stuff. And one thing that I will say that I've been having to c- catch myself on recently is that when, like, because I got so much of what I wanted, it's so much, so it's easy, it's so easy to focus on the things that I didn't get and to magnify, um, it's like to magnify them as a result that like. And to ignore all the amazing things that did they, that I did get. And so I'm trying right now. It's like my focus is it's like, no, there is momentum here. There is movement and there are things that are tangibly making the store a better place and making it a better place for me to, you know, to make a business out of. And so that's encouraging and there's work to be done, but it seems like they're working on it. And so that's really all I can ask for. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited and, you know, it's going to be a busy summer, but it should be a lot of fun.
0: Now underscore David Smith. Thank you so much for for joining us today. Um, It's been a a pleasure to to have you and to get these opinions from you because I think you're very level-headed with these types of things and and I don't think that that's always... a quality that, that we can prescribe to everyone who is kind of making their living through this. I mean, you, I, I feel like we see quite a lot of knee-jerk and, and, and fast reactions to things, and, and sometimes it's good to get the fresh perspective that you provide. So thank you for joining us today to, to give that. It was my pleasure. Uh, where can people find you if they want to see what you're up to on the internet? Because there, there are many cool places. Sure. Uh,
2: if You can find me at developingperspective.com um, or uh, you can find me on Twitter at underscore david smith.
0: Excellent stuff. Thank you, sir. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Mr. Federico Vatici, we have come to the end of this week's Bonanza episode of The Prompt. Thank you so much for being here with me, as
1: always. Thank you, Mike.
0: And I want to thank everyone for listening, not just to this show, but to all of the other shows that we have put out over the last year. It is an absolute pleasure. Um, to record every week for the, the lovely listeners to the World's Greatest Podcast. Thank you all for helping make it the World's Greatest Podcast. And I hope that you continue to listen into our second year of the show. If you want to find out more about this week's episode, you can grab our show notes, which are at 5x5.tv slash prompt slash 52. Thank you so much again to underscore David Smith for joining us. Um, I am imike at I-M-Y-K-E on Twitter. Federico is at Vitici V-I-T-I-C-C-I, and he writes at maxstories.net. Our absent co-host this week, Mr. Stephen Hackett, is at ISMH on Twitter, and he writes at 512pixels.net. The show also has its own Twitter account, which is at underscore the prompt. T-H-E-P-R-O-M-P-T. Federico,
1: I will see you next week. Arrivederci. Bye-bye.